We have millions of reasons, even the darkest moments of our lives, to rejoice, to rejoice. Once I met a man, a Chinese guy, who was sentenced to 25 years of hard labor, and, and he was in a camp with 10,000 convicts. And this guy was despised and hated by everyone, including his inmates, inmates because he was, he was a Christian, he was a believer, and he didn't hide his faith. And he was beaten and tortured and mistreated. At the end, no one wanted him. And he was sent to do the work that no one, the job that no one wanted to do to empty the cesspit. And that was his joy because he was alone. And so he could praise the Lord and sing aloud and jump into the muck and say, wow, thank you, Lord, that you sent me to the cesspit. Hello. Thank you, Lord, that you sent me into the darkest moment of my life. Thank you, Lord, that you do not answer my prayers, because if you do not answer my prayers, you encourage me to pray more and to seek you and search you and look for you and, 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 and knock at the door and shake heaven and become irrespectful and lose all my, my constraint and shout at you and shake heaven. Isn't that great where we can do that? Isn't that, that the sort of God we have, that he gave us this amazing joy, joy. I, 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 you know, I, I was grieving a few days ago when we, we uh, I do not have a mobile telephone, and I don't know how to use it, and Catherine has one, and, and, and we got a message, we're sorry for you. And, and, and when we heard what happened, we, we were grieving. We were literally, I was driving the car and, and crying because the Lord was a loss. But at the same time, says, that's an opportunity so you can pour your love upon us and show us your mercy and compassion and kindness. And it's an opportunity for the church to show how much we love our brothers and sisters. Suffer with those who suffer. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be happy with those who are happy. Be content with those who are content. And cry with those who are crying and grieving. Let's invest ourselves so much in one another. Make, make the others, the person in front of us, part of us. This couple are part of our families. None of us will be the same without them. This church will not be the same without them. So what the grief that they went through is our grief. But the hope that God gave them is our hope. The comfort that God gave them is our comfort. We are not alone. We are one body. Uh, I, the reading for today is the beginning of the Gospel of John. And this is more than, it's more than a reading. It's, it's pure oath. It's pure majesty. It's pure glory. You know, the Sistine Chapel is nothingness compared to what John paints in these few words. Uh, um, Messiah's hand, Handel's Messiah is nothing. And the music and the choirs that is sung in all these passages, the, the beauty of this planet is nothing. The majesty, the silence of the desert is nothing as compared to the majesty, the silence, the beauty of this passage, but also the noise of waterfalls, the roaring of the ocean. He's all here, the howling of the wind, the, the unfathomable greatness of the entire universe. He's all put in there. 
The word of God is, the old word of God is much more than that. We have not even started scratching the surface, but here in this passage, I believe that the Holy Spirit makes the greatest investment in the entire world. It's there that everything is there. The beginning and the end, the conclusion, the plan and purposes of God. And then we have the revelations, the full revelations of who God is, what the heart of God is. I would like to read it. Um, you can stay seated because um, maybe you faint while we are reading this. Because it's so powerful. It's so powerful that, that people cannot stand in the presence of God. Sometimes it, we can't. It's too much for us. It's too much for us. But we also have, we understand our limitations because every word that we use with regard to God is almost an offense to God. We have to say, God is great. We sang it. God is great. But God is greater than his greatness. When we say God is holy, that's just an offense. It's not enough to say God is holy because God is holier than, than his holiness. He's more eternal than, than eternity. He invented eternity. By the way, he invented eternity as a gift to us. God didn't invent eternity for himself. Because eternity is containing him. He doesn't need eternity to be containing anything. He, eternity is in him. He invented eternity for us because he will take an eternity for us to become like him. You know, the purpose of God of making us is that we are becoming partakers of the divine nature. Read 2 Peter 1. That is the aim of everything, the purpose of everything. How long it will take to become like God. Not God, we'll never become God, we're human beings and we will always be human beings. How long will it take to be partakers of his nation, to become like him? It will take an eternity. And so God created, invented eternity for our sake. We are in eternity. God is not in eternity. Eternity is in him. Eternity is in him. The infinite is in God. We are in the infinite this planet is in the infinite, and we live in this planet. We are in the infinite. God is not in the infinite. The infinite is in God. He's containing him. And so the greatness of God, and even the word, and we read these words, and even, and I believe John was aware while he was writing that under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that the words that he was using, they were too little, not big enough for what he felt, what he sensed, what he was in his heart. It's too little. When we pray, our prayers are too little, are not enough. When we think of God, our thoughts are too limited. What we pray, when we pray inside our hearts, even, 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 um, uh, even Hannah's, the mother of Samuel's prayer, with the rabbi said it's the greatest prayer ever, uh, because she, she prayed with her lips, so she expressed it, in the natural, but the prayer was continued in our heart. The join of the heart, the inside of the outside, is the greater form of prayer. Even that was not enough. It's not enough. So we will read this. We will read this, but as we read it, maybe we close our eyes and, <clears throat> and try to use the imagination that God has given us, and God has given us a mind and imagination, because there we have a little bit of freedom. We are not constrained by words. We're not constrained by, by our imagining. We're not constrained by our senses. 
and it is in the in the imagination that God has given us in his mind that has to be renewed in the likeness of the mind of Christ when he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, the mind has a spirit. Remember that in Romans 12 and in Ephesians, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, there is an actual, there is a spiritual dimension in our mind. And in that dimension, spiritual dimension of our mind, we can be lost. Lost like lost in an oceans. But whatever direction we go, we will arrive at one, only one point. The point of contact with our God. The point of contact in which the finite and the infinite join together. Where we limited, we touch the unlimited, and the unlimited touches us. Where we sinners, redeemed sinners, in need of redemption every day, we touch the source of our redemption. And it is in the spirit of our mind when we are lost there. Get lost in the spirit of your mind and you will find because he looks for the lost. He looks for those who are searching. When Jesus said, search and you will find, knock and you will receive, we think about a physical imagery of, of, of the friend going at midnight or give me a piece of bread. I have a friend, or or the or the or the widow asking the judge, the unjust judge. We have all this imagining that Jesus gave us, but it's it's much more than that. And it's where we find it's in the deepest part of our hearts and minds, in the spiritual nature of man, that we meet together with God with pure spirit. So let me read it to you. I read it from in. The new international version, some say it's new indispensable version. And because this is the version used in this church. But uh, not because I want to show you how clever I am, but I got my Greek uh, here. Because there is so much more in what John wrote. And we will see it together. We will see together. That is much more meaningful. And... Translations are always come a little bit short on what the reality is. But let us listen to this. Let us listen with our hearts. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made, that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made for him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, 
He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not to natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we all have received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, and through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And a man is appropriate to these words. And a man, and a man, you know what a man means. It means I believe. This is what it means. Amen. It's belief. The professed Christians were called by the Jews, I mean him, the believers. The ones who believe in that guy that they didn't want to name because it was too much for them. In the beginning, and the Bible starts with the same words, in the beginning, in the beginning, the beginning of everything, the beginning of time, the beginning in which, the moment in which the life that lived and life that existed in the Spirit, the life of the Spirit, the life of God, the life of the angels, the life of the angelic beings, the life that exists in that dimension in which we belong but still are longing to see and to be immersed into that dimension. Then life comes and becomes light to the natural when become light and life. The first words that God says and the words of God that comes out and says, let there be light. And I always wondered to whom he said that word where there was nothing. Who heard those voices? Who was there to obey his commandment? Let it be if there was nothing. How can God say something in an empty, in nothingness? And who listened? Who is listening? His life there waiting, waiting in a corner of eternal obscurity, saying, I'm waiting for the command of God to come out. He said that light was in God. The light is in God. The light that in, 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 uh, in 2 Timothy says is unapproachable light. The light that we, we can't get so close. It's too much, that light. That glory that Moses wanted to see in God said, you can't see this glory. We can't to this, this, this incredible immensity that none of us will ever be able to imagine. And even when we see God face to face, as I said, it will take an eternity to embrace what we see, to understand, to appreciate, to absorb, and to be absorbing what we see. And that light was there, it is in there. That light has to come out. And that light comes from God. The light didn't exist outside God. The light comes from God. The light is in Him. This light that where there is no darkness, in God is no shade. There is no grayness. There is no confusion. There is no nothing. There is a pure light. 
pure light. The light of Christ comes into the world. What God gave us in Jesus is his light. Then Jesus himself says, I am. Do you remember in John 8, 11, he says, I am the light. I am the light. I am the light of the world. He's not just a man. He's not the word of God made man. He's not the word of God made flesh. He's the light of God that becomes flesh. He's the life of God that becomes flesh. He's the love of God that becomes flesh. He's all the essence of God. He's God who comes to us fully. And that light comes from God. And when God says, let there be light, the light came out of him into existence, into this new dimension of the natural that God wanted. And there's no separation. You know, we, we still have this Greek mind that separates the, the, the spiritual is good, the natural is bad. Actually, the natural is as good as the spiritual. When God created everything and he said, you know, it's good. He's look at the light, he says, good. He looks at the stars and the planets, you know, it's good. He looks at his planet and the plants and the animals and the lions and the cats and the, and the frogs and the flies and the, and, and the snakes and, and the elephants and, and the sharks and, 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 and Nick. And he said, it's good. It's good. It's good. Everything is good. Everything is good. And, and so that, that goodness that God wanted to be joined together. And, you know, and, and the last one of creation, which is this man, this man creating the image of God, that, that image that is still there, is still there. That image that existed in the spiritual. Because God hasn't got a body, God hasn't got arms and legs and noses and eyes that we have. He's a pure spirit. Remember Job? Remember Job, that guy who has so many problems, including that horrible wife? My goodness me, that was the greatest problem that he had, I believe. But, um, and, and Job was saying to God, he says, do you know what it means to be a man? Do you know what it means to be a man? And God never answered that. Because at the time of Job, the incarnation had not happened yet. God couldn't answer that and didn't want to answer that. The revelation of Jesus did not reach the world yet. It was not there. It was not there. But in Jesus, God knows very well what it means to be a man. But when God, when Adam was created in the image of God, it's because God, when he breathed into his nostril, he couldn't be any closer than that. That spirit, that ruhach that came out of God, brought in itself all the nature of God. In the same way where God said, let there be light, and the word come out of him, and their life comes out of God, and it comes into the natural, the spirit of God, the nature of God, the goodness of God, the holiness of God, the wisdom of God, the purity of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God, comes into that spirit, into Adam. And Adam is made in the image of God, the wisdom of God. Everything that God is, God put into Adam. And Adam is the most incredible of all creation. Because it's the point of contact of the natural and the spiritual. He's created out of clay and carries the spirit of God in him. And he is there to fulfill that purpose. What at the beginning, at the beginning, and it was already there. Jesus was already there. He's already existed from eternity to eternity. 
from everlasting to everlasting, well beyond our wildest imagination, which is the Word, the Word of God. And the Word, what is the Word? What is the Word? The Word is, is what ideas wear, is the clothes of ideas. These are words. And I use words to convey to you what is in my mind. Words is something which is exterior, but there is something contained in the word which is much greater than the word. It is much more powerful than the word. It's something that has an effect. Our words are powerful. I can say to Nick, you are a loving brother, and he will feel warm inside. I can say to Nick, I don't like your beard, and he will feel, shall I shave, shall I shave, and doubts start coming in his mind. When his wife says, no, I like your beard, so he kicks it. But um, I like your beard. I always wanted to wear a beard, but my wife doesn't allow me. And uh, so I love men with beards. And I, I did it once, and she didn't recognize me. Then she burst into laughter, and that was the end of it. <laughs> um, she said that I'm too short to wear a beard. It's good for tall men. But Mark can wear a beard. He's <laughs> handsome as ever. I mean, you don't have to be like Jeff to wear a beard. I mean, it's that. Uh, you know, both short and tall, they were they're both handsome. So pray for me that my wife would change her mind. And, uh, and that word, and here we start seeing immediately from the, the beginning something which is beyond, again, our wildest imagination. This word is weak God, and he's God, but he's not God. He is God, but he's separated from God. He is in God, he's fully God, but he's something different. It's something that our mind can never, never be able to grasp. It's a one plus one equal one. And then we know that it becomes even one plus one plus one equal one. It's, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And to a Greek mind, that makes no sense whatsoever. But, but it does make sense to us. Because if it is not like that, it could not be anywhere else. Because we know that God is love, and, 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 and it is the nature of God to love. And if it wasn't a trinity, how God could love alone? Who has this nature of the love of God is so different from our own, and is so far distant from our own, and this nature of that love that has to be projected towards and put into action. I love the Latin translation of the gospel. It doesn't use the word, but it says verbum, which is the verb. It's something in action. And the logos that is here, which is, is an echo of, of, of Greek philosophy. And the logos was something like in between God and man for the Greek mind, but it's another story. But it was there to, to be the way of communicating between God and man. So they had some glimpse because even the pagans, even the worship of idols, even those who get lost and go so far away from God, they still had that sparkle that was there from the beginning. They, their, their mind is so obscure and their soul is so heavy with sin and with the darkness that penetrates into their being that they cannot go back to what was originally planted into them. Because there are more than a veil. There is such a, the distance is so great. The gap is so great. And so they gasp for something. And they have maybe some vague intuition. Why we saw it at the beginning. Who was walking 
with Adam in the garden, but Jesus Christ, who, who whom he could see, who whom he could relate, if not by Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God made flesh. And he's there since the beginning. He's there at the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. He's there before creation, at creation, in creation. He is the creator, and the Holy Spirit is the creator spirit because he is the giver of life. Life comes from the Holy Spirit. But because God is love, we can understand a little bit better why there is a trinity. Otherwise, God would not have anyone to love before anything was created. And that is not his nature. It's almost a necessity. But there is no necessity in God. Nothing is... God doesn't need. Doesn't need. He's already... He can't say anything about it. But that word was there. And that word is, is a verbal. It's something in action. Because God saw out the world that he gave is word made flesh. He has to do something. He's an action. He's not just the cloth of an idea. He's not just something to convey what is in God. He's, he's the actions of God. Jesus is the action of God. Jesus is God coming to us. God taking the initiative towards us as he took the initiative to create us, to invent us, to make us, to shape us, to give us life, to put his spirit into us, to shape us in a body, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful body that he gave us. And, and he takes this constant initiative towards us. Every split second of our existence Every split second of our existence, action and initiatives of God touches. He is never away from us. We are never away from his mind. We are never away from the touch of his finger. He's constantly searching. And even when we deviate and we go to the right, to the left, we, we fail and we fail and again and again and again. As I grow older and older, and more and more, I think of all the opportunities that I miss. And regrets come in. You know, in old age, regrets come. I, 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 it's too late for this. It's too late. It's too late. You know, I, I would like to have a dog. But then I said, you know, I don't know whether I will survive that dog. Whether I will live longer than that dog. Statistically, I'm already on borrowed time. And so, I... I all the regrets of all the things that we haven't done, that they come. But, but God is constantly there. Even when we fail, when we miss, one day we will see our life as a tapestry. You know, now we see from this side, it doesn't make any sense. It all knots of things. But then when we see from the side of eternity, everything will make sense. Everything. So have no regret. Have no tears. Do not shed any tears on yourself, on your past, even on your own sins. I've forgiven, forgotten, buried. And God says, your sins I will never remember anymore. I will bury them as far as the east is from the west. So are your sins from me. Just go. Do not shed any tear on your past, but just project yourself towards the future. We live in eternity. Eternity has already started. And even when we take communion, you know, when we take communion, that is the pledge that we live in eternity. 
when Jesus said that to the, those who do this, my body is true food, and my blood is true drink, and the one who eats my body and drink my blood will not die, will live for all eternity. When we take communion, think about that. He's a, he's a pledge of God who says, yes, you are already in eternity. Because the life that now Jesus lives, remember, Romans 6 and 7, the life that Jesus now lives, he lives unto God. Death has no power over it. When I take that bread and take that wine and Jesus comes into me, life eternal is me in the person of Jesus. Where do you think that the path to, to, to heal, to the word, the power of our words to, to give life to somebody because we are commanded to be givers of life and our words, talking about words, is to give life. Uh, where does it come from? Yes, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Yes, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, we tap with the Holy Spirit for power. But Jesus is in our hearts and the life he now lives is life eternal. Hey, Life eternal is in your heart, brother. Life eternal is in your heart. When you touch somebody and says, be healed in the name of Jesus, you name that life eternal that dwells in your heart. And that's your authority that brings the healing into another body. In the presence of life eternal, there is no death, no sickness, no disease, no loss. When we say a word to anyone, which is a word of love, but God loves you. Jesus loves you. There is hope. When we speak that word, it taps from that source, which is life eternal in us. You can say, wow. You can comment. Come on. You, you know, all countries in the world would I love to preach. America is my favorite because they comment all the time. Preach your brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, brother. Go over to brother. Once the guy says, ride that horse, brother. <laughs> you can, come on, don't, for the street cycle, please don't be British. Don't be English. Make a comment. Preach it. I love you, brother. There must be American blood in you. No, no, but, but yeah, but whatever. Yes. Not Scandinavian. No. In Sweden, when they're really excited under the power of the Holy Spirit, they stand up. <laughs> but I love them. I love them. They're great people. And um, so it's uh, yes, it's great. It's absolutely great. Ah, uh, um, and, and so that that is what we was being planted in us, and then. John continues, says, everything was made for him. He is there, a creation. So here is again the creator who comes into creation. He is coming as we, as Adam, and descendants of Adam, and the seed of Adam. We fail to join the spiritual and the natural. When Jesus comes among us, which is the word of God made flesh, that word in action that comes out of God, that comes into the flesh of that human being, conceived in, in the womb of Mary, that tiny little thing, when he comes among us, he joins that spiritual and natural because his full, his divinity is within. Even if he lives in the heavenly places, all this power and authority and glory and everything to come as a man on the likeness of a man or a sinful man, not distinguishable from a sinful man. Think about it. 
Jesus, no sin whatsoever. He's the new Adam. Adam was created with no sin. Jesus has no sin. It's impossible for sin to be in any, even the greatest distance for him because he's God. He's a man with no sin in the likeness of a sinful man. It could not be any difference. No difference. People were looking at him and were looking at Peter and then John and his companions who were sinful men in the need of redemption and forgiveness and grace from God and salvation. They couldn't tell the difference. And yet there was something in Jesus that attracted everyone. Attracted everyone. And stirred up something. Because every time we come in the presence of God, we cannot be the same. Every time when God comes upon us, we react somehow. We react with joy, with jubilation, with attraction. We run towards Him, or we are terrified. <coughs> and when there is that moment of uncertainty, that moment of doubt, doubt is the weapon that the devil uses to separate us from God. Is it? If you are the Son of God, are you? In Pharisee says, are you? Are you or you're not? Is it or is not? Some say it is yes, some says no. Let him check him out. When we start thinking in that way, we miss it. We miss it once and for all. We miss it. Some of the Pharisees will invite Jesus at dinner in his house and he has the Word of God made flesh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the infinite, almighty, eternal, whatever one you use to use to God, which comes short of the greatness of God, sitting at his table, in his house, eating his dinner, and he doubts. If this man were a prophet, he would have known also to whom it is touching his feet. Who is he who forgives sin? And he misses it. Every time we doubt, every time we say, mm, is it or is it not? Is it or it is not? Is that the reality or is it not? You know, one, a man of God that I knew many years ago shared a vision that he had, an open vision, and he was driving his car somewhere, and, and at a certain point he saw this enormous, huge, big cloud coming and forming in the sky, and he stopped the car because he said, this is going to be a... A, a mighty storm and he was surprised that the traffic was kept going and no one was stopping and he said what is happening now and and and, and, he, and he didn't know what to do because he said i need to stop the traffic and it's going to be such a, a incredible downpour it can be a a a, a whirlwind or something in a tornado and and it can be a disaster so people had to find shelter to keep driving towards this these black things that are coming up and then it started raining and what he saw, and he realized that it was a vision, it was not rain, but it was, was honey coming out of this cloud. And he, and he watched the reaction of people in a vision, because it was not real or whatever, but it was an open vision. And he saw people reacting, and then people were saying, what is this stuff coming out? And, and, and then, then some people opened an umbrella, some people were trying to find shelter, and, 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 and then some people were taking a little bit and looking at it. What is this? But then some people started tasting it, and mm, it's good, and taking a little more, and a handful. And then some people were showering and covered with honey and sticky and sweet and, and all this stuff. And I said, Lord, what is this? I said, it's my grace. 
that are constantly poor on everything. You know, Jesus says, your Father in heaven makes rain fall on the righteous and unrighteous. The grace of God, he said, all sorts of forms of grace. You know, Jeff can give you a theological description of grace he is and what the various forms of grace, operating grace, eternal grace, and whatever um, special grace and personal grace and whatever grace he is, what the favor of God, and God totally committed utterly to us and, and we can receive it and not receive it. It's up to us. It's there that it's poor upon us. And here, John, a little bit later, he says that, you know, he came to that which is to his own. And it's interesting because in the Greek, the word, the first word that is used is a neutral, a collective neutral, which means the entire possession, everything that he possessed. He came to all that is already his because he made it. He came into humanity as God's possession. He wants it for himself. It's mine, he says God. I made it. It's mine. These are my children. And he wants it. And then when he continues by his own, and then it's used the, 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 the masculine plural, and, and it means human, self-specific. And then he restricts this, 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 those who reject him, those and, and maybe John had in mind the people of Israel at the time of Jesus who didn't understand him, some of them, and rejected him. They all received him. But then he says, to all who receive him, to all those who believe in his name, receiving this gift from Jesus and recognizing Jesus, and, and we recognize him with our own hearts, not with our own minds. The disciples on the way to Emmaus said, were not our hearts burning? Were not our hearts burning inside us? When we approach God with that sense of hope and our hearts are burning, burning inside us, and we are attracted. And those who receive Him, those who believe in His name, and here it's, why does it say believe in His name? Why not believe in His person, believe in Him, believe in who He is? Because the name identified him, identifies who he is. When we say Jesus, we have all in that name. You know, Yeshua means God saves. God is the Savior. The salvation that is given to us and salvation is much more than being taken out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's everything. It's resurrection. It's life eternal. When we celebrate Christmas, we use that word Emmanuel. In it, when God prophesied, doesn't need a million words. We have to prophesy, you know, using millions of words. Do you like the prophetic? I love the prophetic. I think that God is giving prophetic weird gifts, and I don't use them as much as I see you. But you can hear these prophetic words that go on forever and ever. You know, if you go to any Christian channels and YouTube and so on, amazing prophecies. Thus says the Lord thy God. Really? And. And the best I ever had. You want to hear it? A good prophetic words, the most amazing prophetic words. Actually, I heard a few. One was guy who stood up. I was speaking at a conference. He stood up. Really didn't like me at all. And he said, "Thus says the Lord, I'm not here." That's a good word. And another one says, "And as as I said to Noah when I spoke through the burning bush, and everyone was looking in his Bible, said there's something wrong in my Bible. I had to take it back to the book of Sellers. And 
And, and then this woman stood up again and says, Thus says the Lord, my children, my children, I made a mistake. He was not Noah. He was Abraham. <laughs> um, the best I ever had was this guy who stood up. He was a big guy with a deep voice. He says, and thus says the Lord, there's going to be disasters and fires and floods and earthquakes and riots and wars and famines and pestilence. And thus says the Lord, who luck my people. I see you don't laugh. You're not. You're still very British. You belong to the kingdom of God. Your citizenship is in heaven. Is in heaven. So those who believe in His name, you know, that Emmanuel, God with us, means everything. You know, this word Emmanuel appeared only three times in the entire Bible, but it means everything. God with us. It means that the commitment to God, the total dedication of God, the total projection of God towards ourselves, and He projects Himself towards us in this person of Jesus, in this name that is given there to become a reality in front of our own eyes, and the reality that touches our ears, the realities that penetrate our hearts, the reality of who Jesus is that is given to us, and in that reality that we accept and take and becomes our own, we believe in his name and that Emmanuel, God with us, is total dedication. God at creation. God that intervenes. God who speaks to Abraham. God in the burning bush. God at the Sinai. And God in the person of Jesus. And, and God the Holy Spirit falling at Pentecost and daily falling and filling our hearts. God, Jesus, will come back on the last day when he takes his righteous place as king of this planet the second coming, and then the, the day of the resurrection and the, and, and the fulfillment of, of Revelation 21, the dwelling of God is among, among men. What they, all of those, and here it says he gave them the right, and that word right is actually an extremely weak word because the original Greek word means more than right. It's the right of somebody who has the power to do something. Somebody who is the king, who is the dictator, is the one that has no limit. And he has the power to do what he wants. He is the power and the freedom. In, in coming to us, God gives us this, the, the power and the freedom to accept. And it's a decision that is required from us. It's not something that is there and we are compelled. It's something that we have and is given to us. It's given that possibility with no limitation whatsoever to accept, to take in, to receive. Jesus and by receiving him become children to enter into their relationship because God is a relational God and he doesn't want anything else but that relationship with us. Are you bored? Are you still awake? If you fall asleep, I will not be offended because it's biblical. You know that. You remember Joel. You know, your old man shall dream dreams. And how can you dream a prophetic dream without falling asleep? But I'm a wild charismatic who wants to snow snoring tongues. And Nick will try to teach you how to do that. It's very good. Um, And this new birth that is given in only one way, in only one way, 
through Jesus. And it is in Jesus that everything, everything that God is, everything that God wants to give us, their life and their light has been all put into Jesus in that person. God didn't give us the notion, He didn't give us the theology, He didn't give us the philosophy, He didn't give us uh, an earthly kingdom, He didn't give us a liberation from slavery of Egypt, He didn't give us anything like that. He didn't give us healing or comfort or consolation or inner healing or a program or whatever, or a church. He gave us a person to whom we can relate. And in that person, everything is in there. It's fascinating. A friend of mine who wrote something very beautiful on the Gospel of John, he, made a, he likes figures, and, and, and he said that, that the word life appears 24 times in the first 12 chapters of John, and then it disappears completely. So that light comes, the light has to come, the light is the first thing is created so that we can see, we can perceive the light that shines in us, you know that the light, the light, it's 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 in us. It's it's the most incredible things that, that God says. You know, the light. Jesus is the light. I'm the light of the world, and He who follows me in my footsteps will not walk in darkness. The word darkness is put here, which means fogs. It's a plural. That's the reason Scotland is called Scotland. It's the land of fogs, literally. And that's the original Greek name. And when you walk in the fog, you don't have any sense of direction. Even in night time, you can have a sense of direction. But when there's fog, it's, you're totally lost. You don't know where to go. Because you don't know where the light comes from. You have no point of reference. But in following his footsteps, when we were younger, Catherine and I, we used to do a lot of mountaineering. And sometimes we even climb mountains with the ropes and everything. And um, that's before most of you were born, um, a long time ago. And, and the most dangerous things was fog. When, when the clouds were coming, when you are 3,000 meters above sea level, clouds come. And when you are in a cloud, you have no sense of direction. You don't know where to go. And I remember there were these, in, sometimes the, par, the paths, the climbing paths were marked with red signs that you could see. So you follow the red signs so you're safe, you're on a safe path. And Jesus has footprints. And the footprints of Jesus, if who follows me in my footprints, he follow me step by step. So I put my foot where Jesus put his foot. I become an imitator of Christ. I do exactly what he did. That's my safe way. I say what he says. I express myself as Jesus would express myself. I, re I relate to my brothers and sisters, to my neighbor, to the one next to me, to my family, to my husband, to my wife, to my children, to my church, in the way that Jesus would do it. Imagine Jesus here, what he would do. When a there was a time the teenager said, this bracelet said, what, with the letters, you know, what would Jesus do? That was brilliant. It was not a fad. It was a wonderful, wonderful proclamation. Oh, an incredible boom. Truth. Thank you, my brother. Yes, even the microphone gets excited. You don't. The microphone does get excited. Um, <laughs> what can we do to make people excited about God? This is what is my, my question. 
I'm excited about God. Probably you have realized it by now. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I would like everyone to be excited. When Jesus said, I wish fire would come from heaven. And I say, I wish fire would come on those chairs so people have burning bottoms. And when their bottoms, their ears are on fire, they have to stand up and do something and take action instead of sitting there. I say, oh, oh. You know, sometimes I, I used to preach almost every Sunday um, in different churches. And sometimes I said, poor people, every Sunday they have a funeral. You know, and, you know, instead of boom, going to church and exploding with joy for having encountered their creator and maker and savior. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Really? Really? And, and so that, that light, the light is the calm's first. And, and it's when, he, when he says in in, I think it says 2 Corinthians 4, when he says, you know, God has said, let there be light, is the one who shone in our hearts. And the light comes in our hearts, so that when the light dispel all darkness and dispel all doubts, because when I'm in the, light, I, in the light, I have no doubt where to go. I know where to go. I see clearly. My eyes are open. I perceive the reality which is around me. And I see. When I see and that light shines in our hearts, he's the one who created light. It makes so that we can reflect the glory of God on the face of Christ. What can we say? So that light comes. And then John talks about life because God is the giver of life, but the life that we live is the life of the Spirit. It's not just our physical life. It's not just the life that your dog and your cat and your canary in a cage lives. It's not this life that is fading away as we get older and so on. But we will pick it up because life eternal is already in us. But it's, yes, I'm a man, a man, a man. I will be a man for all eternity. And I thank God that made me a man. I enjoy being a man. And I'm looking at the resurrection day when my body will be redeemed completely. yoo ha And the seed of death will be taken out of my body and I live forever. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Isn't that great? And you can eat all the cakes you want, you don't get fat. Well, that's, that's, that's heaven. That's, his, that's the reality of heaven. That, that is my... Yeah. And, and the freedom of the children of God. It's, it's an amazing, amazing... We cannot possibly imagine... You know, our imagination is not enough. It's not enough. And that life, that life that it comes to regenerate us now and to shake us now into something brand new, that life appears 39 times in the first 12 chapters. But then it starts fading away and only seven times in the rest of the gospel. Because once we have that life, you know, when, when, he, when we possess, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and the one who follows in my footsteps possesses the light of life. When the light penetrates in us and there's no more darkness in us, and it's not the absence of sins. Brothers, it's the sins is finished for us. Do you remember 1 John 3, 9, the one who was born of God cannot sin anymore because the seed of God dwells in him. That seed of God is in him, this new nature that has rejected sin. Yes, sin is our body. Yes, it's true. The flesh is sinful. 
That's the reason why saint people are so holy, you know, but it's so for us, you know, oversized, you know, we'll come, we'll come. But, but sin is in our flesh, but we don't sin anymore, but it's not the absence of sin. It's not the absence, it's much more. It's that communion with our God. It's that unity that brings us to a new dimension. When we still live on this planet and we do our mundane and prosaic chores and everything and wash the dishes, scratch our heads and brush our teeth and go to the loo and whatever we have to do every day, the, the down-to-heart reality of our existence and pay the bills and, uh, and look at the bank account and pull your hair, all these sort of things that we have to do and we do, that becomes a nothingness, becomes an accidental, becomes the outside when inside there is fullness of life. And when I live a life which is worth living. But when I'm filled with that life, I become a, a giver of life. The same way a man and a woman in marriage, they give life to a new creation and we know it's going to be. It's going to be. Um, we have that power to give life. We have power to give life to these words of life that come out of us. By living the life of Christ, we become givers of life. We are not givers of ideas, of doctrines, of religion. We are givers of life by the way we live. When there is that fullness of life in us, after the light, life penetrating us, we possess it. Jesus says we possess it. We possess the light of life. And we live it. We live it to the fullness. And then the word love appears only 12 times in the first 12 chapters. And you know how many times? 49 times in the remaining of the Gospel of John. 49 times. Because when we start living that life to the fullness that has been given to us, then love becomes everything. It's not only the way we live, we think, we express ourselves, we relate to one another. We become love. God is love. We, we become partakers of His nature. And we are so... Everything becomes love. And so everything that is self to is self-centered simply stops to exist. Stops to exist. It's no longer there. And we bring that love with us. And not only by hugging and manifesting and kissing and I love you, I love you, I love you, and so on and so on. But that love in action. The love that makes me totally, utterly, completely attracted to the person who is in front of me. When I look at my brother and I see the glory of Christ reflected on his face and I, and I fall in love with his brother and I want nothing but his good. I want nothing but his blessings. I want nothing and I rejoice in nothing that touches me and I rejoice in everything that touches my brother or my sister and the one around me. When the joy of my church becomes greater than the joy I can receive. And so when I'm in that church, you know, those who love, have you ever noticed that those who really love are the quietest person in the world? 
They don't have to say much. They do not have to show much. Because love doesn't need words. Love doesn't need words. Love is manifested in action. God's soul of the world that he gave. And even actions, even actions can be motivated by love for self. You know, I feel good, I feel good. I give a fiver to the beggar, I feel good, I've done good. But it's not that. It's that love that God is, not only the love that God gives, that it becomes us, our own essence, and our own nature. Our own nature. And then we become children of God. We have the same nature as our Father. The same way that I carry the seed of my earthly Father in my flesh, the seed of my heavenly Father is in my soul, my spirit, my all being. And I'm really a child of God. The reality is that one. And Jesus said so many times that you prove that you prove that you're children of God. Love your neighbors and love your enemies so that you will be children of your Father in heaven. You know, when love becomes so encompassing and overcoming and goes well above everything, that ah, nothing else is left. Nothing else is left. And then that obedience that comes out not just the duty of fear. You know, when, when he says here, just I'm, I'm skipping a lot, I'm jumping to the end. When he says at the end, that he, John has brought John the Baptist in, who talked about him another day, great man of God. And then he talks about Moses, the great other man of God. He says the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's not something that, that, that supersedes that law. You know, when I was a child and I was, was curious about that hole in the wall and I know that I wanted to put my little finger to see what was there, my father said, ah, 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 don't do that, it will hurt yourself. And, and because I, I, that, that, that electric socket there, you know, was so attractive, you know, your children are all just as well. And, and I want to put the little fingers, and the little finger is so small enough that it goes in there. And when my father said, ah, 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 and because my father said, ah, 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 I didn't do it. Because if father says so, even if I had no idea what electricity is or what works, I do not know that it's useful, but also extremely dangerous. I do not know that. As a child, I don't know it. But now I'm a grown-up man, and now I have, I, I do not put my finger there. I do not do it because I fear that my father will say, ah, 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 or because it's a consequence. If I say, don't do that, you will hurt yourself. Because it's a real consequence if I do it. You know, I simply don't do it. Because I know. Not only I know, but I don't do it. It's not longer in my own nature. That is the absence of sin. So when God gave the law, and, and when Paul says, you know, the law is like a tutor that prepares us for something, that Jesus says, I'm the fulfillment of the law. Yes, because the law was there to prepare us for that, to grow into that new dimension of the spirit in which we are adults in the presence of God, children, but adults of conscience and even the same conscience of our fathers. When talking about love, and, and Paul says, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I was thinking as a child, and having a thought of a child, and so but I'm now a grown-up man. And as a grown, we are adults in the kingdom of God. Children, adults, 
children. Not, you are a child of your parents, but you're an adult. And you know, you have the same mind. Your father and mother do not have to tell you, don't put your finger in the, in, in, in the socket. You don't. That is holiness. It's much more than the absence of sin because of fear. Or what God says, or the commandments of God, observance of the commandment, or fear of the consequences. But it's part of our own nature. Is what I am. I don't sin anymore. And I become like my father. And that, that is what, the law is still there. But it becomes part of me. It's not abolished. Jesus says, I do not abolish, but I fulfill. When I receive Jesus, that receiving, believing in his name and receiving Jesus, and I become a child of God, that nature that allows me not to sin, that Jesus doesn't sin at all, becomes part of me. That is true holiness. It's a step above, two steps above, immensely well above the absence of sin because of fear. And when it says that love cast away all fear, fear had into the heart of Adam when he fell. And fear separates in the same way the doubt separates, self-consciousness separates. And we become, we take the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, and we become like him. And then the glory, the glory that we all want to see, and Moses wanted to see the glory, and he asked, and you know, remember in Exodus, let us see your glory. Let me see your glory. And God says, he comes, he can't, because there was no cross between man and God. And here, Paul John says, he has seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. We have seen him. We see the glory. And that glory shines in us and we become glorious beings. Glorious beings. When people pray for me 40 years ago to receive the Holy Spirit, there were mainly elderly ladies doing that. I was in a prayer group, one of these crazy charismatic prayer groups, and there were ladies. And and when I look at them, their faces were changed. Literally. I mean, it, it was like watching a film. They all look gorgeous, beautiful. And I probably didn't believe that I was a bit strange because I was staring at them like that. And it went on for 10, 15 minutes. And, 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 I, and I couldn't believe my eyes. And I started thinking, God is real. Because this is so supernatural. And they were... And I thought, you know, maybe I'm filled with the love of God, I'm filled with Jesus. And, but actually, I, that was the glory of God. They were reflecting the glory. I saw the glory. When I was filled with all the Spirit, you know, deep calls on deep. It's the Spirit in me that may, allows me to see the, what the Spirit is, the glory. And we, with an unveiled face, we reflect the glory. We are glorious beings. You can turn to your brothers and sisters and stare at him and her and say, become speechless because you see the glory of God. This is what we are. 
Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. And I, when we take communion, it's wonderful. I love this church because it's communion every Sunday and it's so beautifully done. Just, just get it together. I know some want to do it individually, want to have that secret space where we are alone with God, which is good, which is good. But this is a time of seeing glory on each other's face and seeing the fullness of God in us that unfathomable infinite that we carry with us more than a presence, more than a Shekinah glory, the unfathomable well belong any words. All the words I gave you today are nothing as compared to the reality which is behind these words. They're nothing. Just go behind my words and touch that unfathomable infinite and be lost in it.